and unflinching journey through the crime scene of Charlize Theron's movie career. My name is Bob. Uh, with me, as always, are Robin. Hi. Regina. Hello. And this week, we are going into the Valley of Elah. Which, oh, sorry, we're going in the Valley of Elah, I should say. Is it Elah? Is it Ella? What is it? Um, Elah? Probably a lot. He, when they talk about it in the movie, and I forgot what the pronunciation so was. So when they talk about it in the movie, I realize like one scene later that he must have said it, but I couldn't bring myself to rewind it. Right. But I'm jumping the gun a little bit. Let's do our one sound reviews. Ugh. Uh, hmm. Oh, a counterpoint. Yeah. So I will say I thought this movie was good. I thought this was a well-made movie. Yeah. Uh, I found it way more interesting than I anticipated myself finding it. Thought it was interesting watching it now. When did it come out? Is it 2010? 2007. 2007. Yeah. I was interested in sort of the time loss between when this came out and now. It definitely... And I think I've said this about another one of the movies that we watched. Like, I forgot how much the Iraq War was part of everything right it's very confusing to say (laughs) but you know what i mean it felt in some ways it's a very bleak film but it felt a little bit innocent in a way like it felt like tommy lee jones's character was discovering for the first time that like war could do terrible things to soldiers and now it feels like well yeah no everybody is right and like you know i mean maybe that's also a strange position for the film because he himself the character was a vietnam veteran which i think like people similarly went through that same or a similar experience then. Right. Uh, of disillusionment. At least according to many films I've seen. Yes. Well, let right. me do a quick plot summary. So the film opens and Tommy Lee Jones is Tommy Lee Jones in it. And he <laughs> is a gruff older man. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is he goes to buy a part for his truck. And the, the guy in the like parts store, you know, sells it to him. And he's like, is this going to be the right fit? And the guy in the truck store is like, you gotta trust someone sometime. And I was like, what a deep philosophical moment for your retail <laughs> transaction. So that uh, tells us a lot about Tommy Lee Jones' character. And he gets a phone call that his son has gone AWOL. And he's like, my son's in Iraq. And they're like, no, he got back four days ago and he's missing. And if he doesn't get back to base by Sunday, uh, he's, he's in trouble. Yeah, court martial or something. And so Tommy Lee Jones, who's married to Susan Sarandon, is a former military police. And he's like, I'm gonna find my kid myself. So he drives down and the movie like is him like investigating what's happened to his son he says i'm going down there he's coming from tennessee he's going to new mexico and susan sarandon's like that's a two days drive and he says for some people it is (laughs) i really like that part that was one of my favorite parts yeah i thought that their interactions was were were really well done and interesting and i was like i don't want to go too far into susan sarandon because it's depressing worst but i was like oh i remember when i used to love her and like her work in this is great but we have to talk about something. Tommy Lee Jones was Al Gore's Harvard roommate. 
Really? Yes. I didn't know that. So, and like Tommy Lee Jones and Susan Sarandon have done at least one other movie together back in the 90s, but I feel like doing one about a war that only happened because she and her pals fucked up the country. <laughs> she was a big Nader person. Oh, gotcha. But it was awkward thinking about her and Tommy Lee Jones, given his personal history with Al Gore, was distracting for me. Gotcha. On top of my distracting general disdain for her as a human being. I thought that their acting in this was really great uh, between the two of them. Mm -hmm. It was very very nuanced and strange. But so he goes to investigate his son's disappearance. He goes to the local police department. And that's where we see Charlize Theron. And let me tell you, because er, before he goes to the police department, he goes to a titty bar. And I, having just come off of seeing, seeing Woody Allen movies, was like, of course, this is where Charlize Theron is going to appear in this movie. Colin said the same thing. And, and I, I got like, no, I've seen her face in this movie. She's a straight-laced cop. Yeah, so she <laughs> is a detective. And boy, the costume designer is working for the paycheck to make her an unattractive woman. And the only way that people seem to do this in her film history is like, try putting her in beige. Yeah. <laughs> and like, put her hair in a ponytail. Right. She it's, will exclusively wear brown shirts. Oh, is embarrassing. Yeah, like she, she you just a, it just can't be done. She has it's a night job. Trying. She has a night job for UPS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of when they put Rachel McAdams in pleated, unfortunate pants in uh, Spotlight. Spotlight, and I was like, yeah, no, she's still Rachel McAdams. I mean, like a forever, but no. <laughs> So anyway, so Charlize Theron is a detective, and she is interviewing a woman who's like, my husband drowned our dog, something's wrong. Zoe Kazan. Mm-hmm. And other detectives, I'm like, I don't know who that Whoever is. Whoever that may be. That's my attempt to not say, I don't know who that is. But other detectives are in the background. All the men are obviously, like, antagonizing her and making fun of her for having to deal with this, like, dog case. So you can sort of get the feeling that she, like, doesn't fit in. And later you find out it's because she is sleeping with the chief of police. And so everyone's is sort of like... Is that ever made explicit? It's... I, I mean, thought it was, I think that that is the truth. Is he the father of her child? I think that is what they're okay, saying. And right. I think that they had a relationship in the past. Right. And that they are not currently together, but that he is the father of her child. Okay. So you see Charlie's like, not help this woman, because she's like, there's nothing I can do because he attacked your dog, like you know, go to the, go to someone else. And then Tommy Lee Jones comes in and he's like, uh, pull up my son's credit card statements. I'm trying to track him down and she won't help him. And then, uh, later we see Charlize Theron and the rest of the detectives called to a crime scene where a body has been like burned and scattered throughout a field. Yep. And it is very quickly revealed that that is Tommy Lee Jones's son. And the rest of the movie is them investigating and putting together like what happened. And he is, of course, like the best detective. And he shows Charlize Theron what's what. And she's able to prove that the cops have jurisdiction rather than the military base. So they take over the investigation. I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs of like where the red herring. Essentially what it comes down to is that his fellow infantrymen got into a fight. And essentially like one of them just snapped and stabbed him 42 times. And then they all decided to burn his body, chop him up first, and then burn his body. And they were maybe going to bury him, but they were hungry. So then they went to get dinner and went back to the base. And, like, none of them confessed it. Which they bought with his credit card. They they bought with his credit card, which is how they were eventually caught because the signature was wrong. Essentially, there's, like, no rhyme or reason for it happening. And throughout 
the movie Tommy Lee Jones has a like computer detective like hacking stuff off of his son's like his son's busted phone and he's getting videos of his son in Iraq and you basically like start to see him doing terrible things like torturing a prisoner you see a picture of like a dead child that he sent to his father and Tommy Lee Jones essentially like realizes that the war fundamentally changed who his son was and that the comrades that his son had weren't like the comrades that he had. And the guy who like does the confession, it's very like monotone and deadpan. Like there's not this big emotional dramatic like yeah. they found the end of the mystery. It's just right. sort of like this is just what it is. And at some point before this, Tommy Lee Jones had thought it was a Mexican member of the troop that he like beat the crap out of when the cops like chased him down. And, and also hit Charlize in the face. He did. And when they put a band-aid on her nose, she looked a little bit less gorgeous yeah they put a little bit of <laughs> delicate bruising around it and so Tommy Lee Jones was like mad at that guy and it's a see it seemed that that guy knew what had happened he was essentially implying he's like the devil looks like you because it was the other members of the infantry group that had killed him and the two of them have sort of a moment at the end where they're talking about hitting the dead child and he like refuses to admit that that's that they their convoy had hit and killed the child uh, and then the part of the movie that I was like, okay, guys, like they had me most of the way. But then like Tommy Lee Jones is like back at his house and he goes to the local oh, school Lord. and hangs yeah. the flag up upside down because earlier he'd seen that and been all upset that the flag was hanging upside down and corrected the groundskeeper at the school that that's an international sign for distress. And basically the, the film ends with like a shot of the upside down flag to remind us that we are a nation in distress. Like, that's basically, that's basically, basically it. it. Yeah. It takes a long time. It is a long, slow movie. That, it, this was yeah. the longest two hours of my entire life. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. So, I mean, you are making a very compelling case for this being a good movie. I hated watching it so much. Really? So much. And, like, I just found it so plotting and dull. Like, especially the part after they crack the case. Because there's, like, half an hour after that where I was like, how is this still going on? How is this still happening? Oh, wait. You know what? It wasn't after they find they actually crack it. It was after um, the guy hangs himself. And so, oh. they, so oh, when right. they're like, it's over, I was like, okay, cool. Roll credits. Because I wasn't invested in the murder mystery of it. Really? Are you supposed to be? I was. I think so, yeah. Okay. I was curious, and so I felt like the end was subversive because I, the whole time, was like, oh, this is a great detective story. Like, I like detective yeah. stories where it's like, this man, you know, like, he was basically, like, Sherlock Holmesing it. Like, he was the best possible detective, and that, like, she was learning stuff from him. And so when the guy hung himself, I was like, well, I 100% don't think it's him. Right. Okay. Then the actual, like parlor scene or whatever where he's just like this, this was me i just stabbed him a bunch of times sorry about that like and is so monotone like that that was like more grim than i expected it to be in yeah, some ways but also grim. like it it denied you the sort of like sensationalism of it yeah and it also showed like the whole idea was that tommy lee jones was this hyper competent and there's lots of like scenes of like competitive competence in mm. the movie which i find a little cliched but like Tom Lee Jones, I mean, just like he is in The Fugitive and U.S. Marshals, this is like a very sad sequel to those movies. And <laughs> uh, that he just is very kind of like methodical and unflinching and just relentlessly goes after whatever clues there are. And then, but the, the whole idea of the end of the movie was he was running on a false assumption, which was that his son was a good person. person. But there is a long stretch of the movie where we think that his son was maybe killed for 
drug reasons. I never right. believed that to be true because okay. I assumed from the beginning that the military was trying to cover something up. Exactly. Right. And this okay. said based on true events, so I thought that this was going to be like a turning point of like, oh, like we found out something that the military did that was dirty. Like I, I uh. thought, like my brain, I was like, oh, like he was gay and they like killed him for that oh. and the military is trying to cover that up, which is not at all what happened. No. So Paul Haggis directed this. Who's that? He directed Crash and wrote Million Dollar Baby. Okay. And he also is a rapist. Or alleged rapist. Ugh. So, everyone's horrible! Dear. Yeah, but anyway, the co-writer Mark Bull wrote an article about this news story for Playboy. Yeah, the and true so, story. Right, the true story. And so he got a co-writing credit. Mark Bull went on to write The Hurt Locker. Okay. So I think that also, I recently, like two weeks ago, saw The Hurt Locker for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that probably diminished my enjoyment of this film because okay. there are some thematic similarities. Sure. Like at one point, the guy's like, all I want is to go back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, like in the Hurt Locker. And just sort of the like, yeah, you lose all of your morality. Yeah, okay, like in the Hurt Locker. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, kind of, but this is so clearly not as good of a movie. And asking a movie to be as good as the Hurt Locker is not fair. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that definitely impacted my enjoyment. Well, I've never seen that. And that's also a more recent film. And so I get, yeah. like, I feel like this but coming out. But only by two years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think The Heart Locker was that great, actually. <laughs> like, it's not my favorite movie of even 2009, I don't think. Yeah. But it's, like, a really solid film in a way that I felt like this couldn't come close to. Well, I also think if this movie had anyone other than Tommy Lee Jones in it, I would just... Uh, I would just write it off like yeah. he is so captivating mm-hmm. yeah. he's so, such an interesting performer I mean he's always Tommy Lee Jones in right. some form but he, yeah I, I mean, like I could happily watch him do anything so yeah he, this really cemented for me like what did we watch recently that he was in Captain America the first event yes so we just saw that and like while we were seeing that I was kind of like you know every one gives Christopher Walken a lot of credit for Christopher Walken delivery. I don't think we spent enough time talking about Tommy Lee Jones' delivery and like his like comedic timing and the way he like undersells certain phrases, but that that really magnifies them is just beautiful to watch. And in this movie, like he's like obviously more like grim character, but like the scene where he is telling Susan Sarandon that their son is dead. And that there's, like, nothing for her to see because, like, the body has been eaten by animals, essentially. And she just starts, like, sobbing on the other end of the phone. And his response is, like, I I can't sit here on the phone listening to you cry. That was horrible. And the way he said it, again, like, I feel like that's a very specific, like, portrait of, like, what their interactions must have been like and what kind of man it would take for him to, like, be that. Yeah. And then later, essentially, like, throughout the movie, there are sort of flashbacks of of a conversation that he had with his son. And then we finally see that conversation. And it was son, like, breaking down after he'd killed the child being like I can't do this and his dad essentially being like are you crying in front of people like that's not how you be a man but it's more subtexty so I think it's like Tommy Lee Jones like feeling responsible for like putting his son in the position that he found himself in I don't know just having those two scenes together and again I think if it was someone other than Tommy Lee Jones or someone who didn't have that type of silent faced charisma it would right. be very difficult and like I liked this movie but I did find it boring at times like I do think it's kind of long I found it relentlessly boring <laughs> I only th- I could only think of a couple of scenes that they could have edited out of it and there were a number of additional scenes that I like really appreciated them including like they did not have to include the plot line of the woman whose uh, veteran husband like killed their dog and then basically like 
later Charlize Theron is called out because like she's been murdered by her husband in the same way that he killed the go- the dog that there was like escalating violence. They I don't think they needed to include that, but like I thought that that added to the story and was like a meaningful addition to like what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in the hands of anyone like Paul Haggis, love him or hate him, uh he does he can write a competent and honest feeling movie. Oh, 100%. I think Million Dollar Baby is it's very good. A fantastic movie. Yes. And I am sort of an apologist for Crash in that I think it's not also terrible. Also the same thing, yeah. Right? But it's one of those things like Crash and this are both one of these things where you're like, um, I don't remember ever being naive about either of these topics. Yes. It's like, oh, it's like when someone sings about you got to look after the homeless. It's like, oh, sh- no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Wait, when someone sings? Who sings about the homeless? There was, I can't remember who it was. There was a famous <laughs> singer who was like, oh, he's bringing awareness to the homeless. And he was like, oh, because they're not visible enough? Like, what are you talking about? Okay. It, it feels kind of like that. You're like, oh, war is grim and turns people into psychos. I think that they did a good job of, like, putting on display, like, the total sociopath nature of yes. the soldiers. Like, when... When they're being interviewed and it's like, well, why? Because they said we wanted to bury him, but we burned him instead because we got hungry. And Charlize Theron, like, says you got hungry. Like, that's disgusting and horrible. And he's like, yes. We were starving. Yeah, Yeah. right. It was a long night. That was like a chilling moment. So I think that this movie, maybe I would have liked it more if it was, it had these really great scenes and then 45 minutes of nothing in between them. <laughs> and so I got so much more frustrated during the 45 minutes of nothing. So I, I think I, I, I maybe have a more... I like movies like like The Station Agent and stuff like that that ha- mm. are kind of about people just going from A to B and not doing anything in between. Okay. So I, I guess I kind of like that element of it. I hadn't really thought about it until you pointed that out. But yeah, there's a lot of him just kind of like going from bar to bar and showing photographs to people. There I really kind of, is. Yeah. I kind of liked that as well because I, again, like I feel like a lot of detective movies and a lot of like movies lately like feel like they have to be so action packed. And I like the idea of like, it's actually a lot of grunt work and sitting around and waiting. I'm fine with that if maybe the characters had a crack of a smile ever. Well, that's the thing, or yeah. Or, like, some, that like, felt really inappropriate. Like, I also thought the movie did find time to, like, put jokes in, like, the ma'am scene, where he's, like, at a bar and... That was 100% a scene where I was like, why am I watching this? How is this necessary to the plot? <laughs> Would you like to describe the scene, Regina? <laughs> <laughs> He's at a bar, and I think it's a—it's showing that like he doesn't drink. I think it's a scene, right because he pours himself like an inch of beer, yeah, uh, like a Bud Light or something. And he had ordered a sandwich, and he's basically just at the bar to like try to find out more information about like his like his son's haunts and if anyone had seen him. And then a topless woman comes out, and he's basically like uh, like very uncomfortable. He's like, "Uh, uh, uh hi, ma'am," because this isn't like a strip club; it's just like a bar. And apparently the server is just top a topless woman. And she's kind of like, you know, when a, when a lady comes out, like, and she's not wearing a shirt, like, 
calling her ma'am might be considered rude or something. There's like a little bit of banter between the two of them and he's very uncomfortable. And then he takes a sandwich and leaves. But then later he's at a diner eating breakfast and she comes up to him as just like a normal lady on the street and is like, I met you at the bar. Like you were asking about your son. Like, I'm so sorry. I read in the paper, like what happened to him. And I was like, why is this scene in this movie? How is this relevant or helpful? I think right. it's showing you like the impact that, that his son's so- public death is having on him as he okay. tries to investigate it. Like when he goes and he interviews the people at the gun shop to see if they like saw anything and he doesn't say like I'm his father he's just like I'm just trying to get a a little bit more information and they're like oh we just thought people were having a barbecue right and like you see it like wash over him that like his son's body was burned I think that's why those things are in there yes I also disagree (laughs) with their choice to include them I think, like, I will say, like, I do think that maybe if someone like David Fincher had been the director, that those scenes might have been more, like... More pointed. And also, like, more visually engaging in a way that, like, you... Like, I feel like when you watch, like, his directing, like, even if, like, nothing is happening, like, there's something about his shots that kind of has you on edge and you're, like, waiting for something. Yeah, I think you're completely right. I feel like David Fincher could have made this a much better movie. Because I would say, like, I think this is a more interesting movie than Gone Girl. But I think that Gone Girl is more uh, beautifully filmed. I loved Gone Girl. I did not. Also, like, Gone Girl is a good mystery because David Fincher is able to focus on the relevant details that make it mysterious. Right. Uh, whereas this is just kind of like, oh, he discovered his son smelt like burning meat. Figured out that the, a blue car looks like it's green when it's under a yellow light. And, kind of stuff. and like, he does lots of detective work where he's just kind of walking around and making fun of the other detectives. And But then he'll explain, I know he was killed here, I know he was right over there, without showing you any of the detail was, of how he knows that. I was going to say, like, so that actually led to my Charlie Zenith, mm-hmm. which is when he's giving her this speech about how they mishandled the crime scene and how he knows that there is blood in the sand there. And then he goes to the gun shop and she walks into the crime scene saying, everybody knows everything. (laughs) That was my favorite part. But yeah, like, how did he know that there was blood there? They they never show you. So he he knew that there was blood there and he knew that the body was dragged because the brush, etc. was broken. And he knew that they wouldn't have killed or like... I, I think they like they they did say like why he knew that it was dragged. I don't know if they said why they knew that okay. there was blood there, but it was like all the like bramble things. Like remember she picked it up to find the hand. Uh, it's like she could just it pick was it a, up. It was a tumbleweed, but it was <laughs> it was supposed to be attached to something. Oh okay, and that's and so he's saying like all that stuff had broken and they'd use the I brush. Just, to sort I just I literally thought it was a tumbleweed. No, I think it's, br- it's okay. brush, which um, made me think of Lainey because I thought that tumbleweeds were only in cartoons, and she was like, <laughs> no, they're real. They're real. <laughs> from Arizona. I I feel like we've talked a lot about like the movie itself but like Charlize in this I think she does very well in this and she's one of the only characters that goes through a journey like I think you see her at the beginning like not fit in with the detectives like be sort of like a low status character and by the end of it like she comes into her own so my Charlize Zenith is when the military police guy comes in and he's like I've got everybody's sworn statements you don't need to interview them and she's basically like pushes back against that and is like no 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 like I'm gonna interview my people and it's just this like weird power play between the two of them where they're both sort of like swinging big to like see who has jurisdiction and just watching her go from a sort of like mousier character in the beginning to someone who's like continually like pushing back against it 
And like my runner up was when she has a conversation with Josh Brolin. That's she's, my runner up too. That whole scene is great. It's so great. And she's trying to get him to admit that it is their jurisdiction. And Josh Brolin is like, why would we want another unsolved murder? Like we're shitty at solving murders anyway. And she's like, it's the right thing to do. And at some point, like she's like with respect. And she says a bunch of things that are rude. And he looks at her and goes like, that was with respect. And she just says, well, it was my intent, sir. Also, and the way that she, like, sort of, like, is jokey there. Sometimes but, like, I exaggerate for effect. That, yes! That was my Charlie Zenith. Was that, didn't you just say you do what you're told? <laughs> like, I'm no, I've been known to exaggerate for effect. I thought that whole scene was great. I because, agree. That was the best scene of the movie. Because that's the only scene that shows that she has any character that, like, has some kind of levity to her character. So, yeah, that's what I'm talking about with Crack and a Smile. Yes. That's what I needed more of in this movie. Well, and like Tommy Lee Jones has some like good low key zingers. Yeah. Um, but He's no so one else. rude. His son just got murdered. Uh, he was rude even before that. But he, I mean, he his other son, son is also dead. What? Okay, but like when he stops and pull, he like angrily pulls over to correct the groundskeeper on flag etiquette. Yeah. Okay. And then also when they go to, when he and Charlize go to the crime scene and she drops him off at his hotel and he's yes. like, thank you. And she says, it's the least I could do. And he's like, that's an accurate assessment. Yeah. I wanted she, to throw a sock at the TV. I, 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 I really I enjoyed that, that line. Yeah. I was furious with him. Well, yeah. I think like he was basically like, I needed help. And, like, he didn't know at that time, like, when his son was murdered, so he had no way of knowing that if she had helped him previously, like, could he have gotten to him in time? Right. Okay. So, like, I don't know. I think it's legitimate to not be polite to a total stranger who didn't help you in your time of need, Mm -hmm. uh, right on the heels of your son's brutal murdering. I mean, you know. I just so strongly disliked his character that it kind of diminished me wanting to watch him go through boring, step-by-step methodical investigation. (laughs) So who would you replace with Keanu? Okay, so Jason Patrick plays the military police guy working the case. Yep. I would replace him with Keanu solely because (laughs) they replaced Keanu with Jason Patrick in Speed 2 Cruise Control, and it's Ah. time for some revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Was he replaced or did, was he just not available? I thought Keanu refused to do it. He refused to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a different character also. Oh, okay. But yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. I would replace James Franco. because oh, that's right. Because this movie has a weird ensemble cast. Like, people that you recognize just keep popping up all over the place. Right, like the woman who gets called ma'am is uh, Frances Fisher. Right. But James Franco was the only one who popped up. And instead of being like, oh, it's James Franco. I was like, oh, it's James Franco. So yeah. I just wasn't excited to see him. And if it were Keanu, there would be a 100% excitement ratio of the cameos. <laughs> I'm going to replace Josh Brolin because uh, on the heels of Infinity War, I'm a bit like, this guy's worthless. And also... <laughs> I Wait think a that, second. No, no, no. I'm finishing my sentence. Okay. Like, I think that it would be interesting if there was sort of like antagonism between like the detectives and that guy. And I think that like Keanu being such a handsome man versus Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin is handsome. He is not. And also he is not Keanu. He's, if he, if he is handsome, which I will not concede that he is, he's not Keanu level handsome in the way that the detectives would feel that also, because that's the best scene in the movie, I would want Keanu to be in it. So that was my concern is that why, why change the best scene in the movie? Because Keanu is always an upgrade, Robin. Okay. But then also, wait, are you're 
You think that Josh Brolin is worthless because you thought he was bad in Infinity War? I thought he was very boring. Okay. This is not a podcast about Infinity War, and it could easily become one, so... <laughs> well, I'm still wanting to fight about Gone Girl versus this movie. <laughs> a battle I never expected. I Like, again, like I don't want to make it sound like this is my favorite movie of all time. I'm like, I found it, even though I like was, like, restless during it, I was like, I thought it was good, and I expected it to be terrible. And I maybe I thought it was going to be good. Oh, I had the opposite. And okay. also, I was, like, coming off of two weeks of Woody Allen, I was like, what a, what a levity booster. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like it had similar pacing to Sleepwalking, but was so much better yes. than Sleepwalking. Everything's better than Sleepwalking. It's true. <laughs> so I watched The Snowman, which was widely considered one of the worst movies of last year. Right. I watched it for movie masochism reasons. Yeah. And... It is extremely similar to this movie. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a serial killer movie, mm-hmm. but so like, and it, with no social commentary or whatever, but like the the beats of the story and the, the methodical bit. Yeah. And so I think that I enjoyed watching The Snowman more than I enjoyed watching in the Valley of Ella. Because it was laughably terrible? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the, the lack of respect you have for the snowman makes it more enjoyable... 100%. Than the baseline respect you have for Valley of Ella. Yes. I'm not saying that's fair. I'm saying it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the only things about this movie that I was actively like, eh, was the, the dumb flag ending. I was like, you guys would have been fine to not include that. There were a couple moments where I was like, ease up on the sad strings. Just like, tone it back just a little Ooh, bit. Oh, I have a soundtrack note when you finish. <laughs> I feel like those are the, the sort of two big bits. And also, like, as much as I like would have liked to have more of Susan Sarandon's character, I felt like she was in it the appropriate amount. And the and they're like constant. They're dialoguing on the phone, like they're like never in the same right. room. And her sort of like not so subtle. Like, would you just trust me once in my life? But also, like, she does exactly what he says. And right. you're like, yep, I can I can see that marriage being a thing. It did seem very like a very genuine marriage. Yep. I was also kind of like ease up on the cliched institutional sexism because uh, I was like, have <laughs> oh, we the- seen this fifty million times before? As in, like North Country, which I loved, <laughs> and I thought during Ugh. this. I was like, is this how everyone felt watching North Country? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, maybe. So my soundtrack note, at the end of the film, right, you have Oh my god! Oh my god! (laughs) That is the other thing. (laughs) The very last song in the credits? Yeah, so you've got the flag flying, and then they transition into, like, you know, a film by Paul Haggis, and Annie Lennox is singing this song, which I'm sure they thought was going to get nominated for an Oscar, and then with, like, one minute left in the credits, where they're, like, thanking the state of New Mexico and everything, this horrible hip-hop song comes on. Oh, yeah! That feels so absurdly out of place. I didn't get to that part. You, I was you had left. left. I you was left like, I'm done. Point. Okay, wait, so what were you laughing I was, at? The fucking, like, the baby's footsteps in the oh. sand song? I was like, this is dumb. All right, so I'm going to play a clip of both so you can get a little taste of the incongruity. This is the sound of a baby's first breath. The A 
one to twist Cause everyone too tough to be rocking like this So come on, shake the load off your back Come on, shake loose your stress I got a fist and yank and I can't miss my chance Cause shorty looking too good with the way she dance So come on, shake the load off your back Come on, shake loose your stress Write a tune with the mood I'm in Every day is a grind and I grind to win Can't play the violin so the sad song is over And also at this time, this is where the movie lost my respect for it was <laughs> after the like the regular like top build credits like a film by Paul Haggis and blah blah blah. Oh no! There is the ultimate level of pretension, which is a photograph of the dead child that the character has run over, and it just says underneath it all caps for the children. Uh, I didn't see that either. And Man, my bladder fades, saved me. It fades <laughs> out, and I was like, oh, this is just rubbish. Yes. Oh, wow, that dings it. That's going to take it down in the rankings. By the way, if my voice sounds at all strange in this, it's because I am recording from a supine position. <laughs> Robin is reclining on her couch right now. This movie took it out of her that she can't even put her feet on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I threw my back out. And so that crinkle, if I can't cut it out, that was me removing an ice pack. Or rather, a bag of frozen vegetables. Uh, would this movie be improved with a prison riot? Uh, I don't think so. So I'm like, a, like a barracks riot? Could do. Could the scandal have been too scandalous that the, the soldiers crack and It sounds riot? horrible to watch, though. I think It'd be that, a lot of stabbing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's one thing that I'm glad the movie didn't include. Sorry, this is a sidebar. But I think a, a lesser movie would have included a flashback of the fight and of him getting stabbed. Oh, I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah And they sure. do not show that. Like, yeah. they do show his body parts, but they do not show the actual violent murder. They do show him sticking his hand in the wound of a soldier or a, of well, an so enemy combatant. I will say, like, I don't know if it would be improved, but I feel like the only place that I could think you could fit it in, um, not in the barracks. I was actually thinking of, like, the drunk tank at the police station. And yeah. that could be a thing that they, like, another, like, I don't know, them being sexist is, like, making her deal with it or whatever. Right. I didn't really understand why all the detectives had to go to see the woman who'd been murdered by her husband. Like, I don't know why they were like, Charlize has got to see this. Like, were they blaming her I for not doing so. more? Or were they being like, uh, we were all wrong? Because it's not like any of them were leaping up to help either. I I didn't yeah. really know whose culpability it was or if it was just like, also, it's just sad that this happened. What was the deal with the guy who was in there for torturing chickens? That was another random thing that was, just showed up, yeah. Was he a soldier, or was it just like... Because Zoe Kazan's mm. husband was military. Yes. So I'm going to come down on the side of no prison riot, just because I feel like if... Even though it might like bring some action into a boring movie, it would probably be heavy-handed and grim. And it would be just, like, shoehorned in, like the actual piece of action, which was the... The, the chase? The world's slowest car chase. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones beating a Mexican man with a glove or whatever he was using. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I liked about that, and it's the reason for the podcast, is I thought Charlize did a great job of showing, like, running down a criminal, like, kind of like a person and not, like, an action star. Yeah, like, like she almost gets, like, spraining her ankle. Yeah, she gets, like, winded. She sort of stumbles at some bit. Yeah. But she's, like, but she's doing her job like she has a good run yeah yeah and they made it believable like oh he might get away yeah mm -hmm. uh, the, i felt like the chasing down just felt like a bunch of people running and not like an action sequence 
Right. It wasn't like they were coordinated by satellites. It was mm-hmm. like, oh, they're right. all just trying to find their route through these people's yards. Yeah, right. It wasn't Jason Bourne cutting through those yards. No, it wasn't. It was not Liam Neeson taking 15 jump cuts to get over a fence. And look, I love to watch those things happen. But in this movie, I was like, oh, like, I... Yeah. Uh, anyway, so so no prison riot then. So, no prison riot. All right. <laughs> Ebert or Mebert. I'm trying to understand why he is such a superb actor. Uh, Mebert. I'm going to say Ebert, and I'm going to be annoyed. Ebert. He does not like Tommy Lee Jones? No, no, the opposite. He loves him. I'm going to read a longer passage. Okay. I was like, oh, I don't want to fight with Mr. Ebert, but, like, Tommy Lee Jones is great. This is the first line of the review. I don't know Tommy Lee Jones at all. Let's get that clear. Okay, blah, 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 blah. I've interviewed him, blah, 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 blah. He remains a mystery to me, which is why I feel free to share some feelings about him. I'm trying to understand why he is such a superb actor. Look at the lines around his eyes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. He gave it four stars. He loved it. I, yeah, like, honestly, like, watching this movie, I was sort of tempted to be like, I mean, we're going to be busy. We're going to have our hands full with Keanu. But yeah. I'm like, I would put Tommy Lee Jones in the running for someone where I'm like, I should see more movies that he does. Because I think when I was younger, I sort of wrote it off as like, oh, isn't Tommy Lee Jones the person that everyone's like, oh, he always plays himself? But no, I'm, he doesn't. Okay. He's, I mean, I, I, think he's I understand that people would say that, but they are oversimplifying you should watch coal miner's daughter which is i think the earliest of his films that i've seen is from 1980 Mm -hmm. and he couldn't be much older than like early 30s like our age but he still looks 60 he still acts like an old man it's the best he was born 70 years old (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. and it's also a really great movie which he is really great in yeah, so he was nominated for an Oscar for this, mm. and this was the same year that he directed and starred in The Three Burials of Melikides Estrada, something like that. Okay. And everybody thought he was going to get nominated for acting in that, and then it was like a switcheroo, okay. just like the year that Kate Winslet got nominated for that illiterate Nazi movie instead of Revolutionary Road. Oh, The Reader? Yes. Which she won for. <laughs> yes. Anyway, just a little Oscar side trivia for, <laughs> for my peeps. I mean, he won for The Fugitive. Yes, correct. So to be nominated for this is basically the same guy. Yeah, okay. Guys, full he... disclosure, never seen The Fugitive. Oh, you Regina would love it. Regina Connolly! You would love The Fugitive. It is an amazing movie and holds up so well. Also, when Tommy Lee Jones accepted his Oscar for The Fugitive, he started with the most important <laughs> thing to say at a time like this, I'm not really bald. Because he had his head he had shaved. His head shaved for a role. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. Oh, delightful. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. love Tommy Lee Jones. I did not love this movie. Bob so, Shields, how did you feel? I, I was thoroughly entertained throughout... I didn't. I don't think it made me think of anything. I was just like, oh, this has been interesting watching Tom Lee Jones. Okay. Uh, but the actual movie surrounding him, I was like, well, there's nothing really there. I would happily watch him do anything. So I was perfectly entertained the whole time I, until for the children. For the children came up on screen. I also like. I don't think he was alone in this. I do think Charlize was really good in this. I agree. Yeah. I. I well, the thing is, I think that Charlize was good uh, when she was able to like get some moments of levity and like poke through the one notedness of her character. But I think she was like good for maybe fifteen percent, whereas 
Oh, I disagree. I feel like her character wasn't one note. I feel like, especially at the end when she's like interrogating people and when she like has the argument with him where she's like, okay, so you're not going to let me go in and hear his confession that I'm going to arrest every single drunk soldier and throw them in like for the DUI. Like, how do you think that's going to make your base look? Like the way that she like gets what she wants at the end is completely opposite from the very beginning of like who she is at the start of the movie. I agree. I thought the scene where she is like, no, like we might not be able to convict these people because they confess on base and they're like the military is dealing with it but like this father is going to be in the room while that guy says why he did what he did and then yeah. and then it happens i thought she was great in that yeah. i also like the scene with her the there's a terrible scene in the middle of the movie which i reference at the very top of this podcast where tommy lee jones oh, tells yeah. the story of david and goliath to Charlie's theron's son and it's like uh everyone this is an important theme and i'm like i'm gonna go to sleep now anyway but i did like the scene at the very end when Charlize is telling the kid the story again because he's become obsessed with it and he says why would anyone do that yes and she says i don't know and that was she's so good guys i love Charlize theron (laughs) (laughs) me too okay let us rank this i am going to put this above the burning plain and below the road. So yeah, it has very similar aesthetics to the burning plain. That's uh, doing that thing that I always do where I zeroed in on a movie it reminded me of and decide, <laughs> is this better or worse? And I thought that the acting in this was significantly better. I enjoyed watching it more than The Road. That's true for many things. Yes. <laughs> the Road, I think, is a better made film than this. And it certainly didn't have the For the Children in the <laughs> credits. Yeah. Uh, so I am putting, mine is actually quite high. I am putting mine one above two days in the valley. And I swear it's not because it also has the word valley in the title. <laughs> I was also zeroing in on films that it reminded me of, um, but for different reasons. Uh, and I'm ranking it one below Hancock. I was like, Tom Lee Jones is very entertaining, but he's not quite as entertaining as Will Smith. And... It's also just slightly below uh, Fate of the Furious because there, while there is somewhat of an ensemble here, like there's a lot of people who you will recognize and a good cast. It's not as compelling as Toretto's crew of lovable misfits. No one could be. Who is? Also, I recently rewatched the first hour of that movie and I was like, no, it is not too high on my list. <laughs> this movie is wonderful. <laughs> yep. So this is really hard for me to rank because I don't want to put it above North Country because even though I didn't like that movie as much as other people, I do think Charlize, like, deserved her Oscar in it nomination. I also am kind of like, God, I'm going to have to go back and listen. Why did I rank The Road higher than North Country? Did I? I don't know. Anyway, so I'm sort of like, I think I like this movie more than The Road. But I don't want to put it above North Country, so I'm going to put it between Trial and Error and North Country. So there's only one movie between this valley and two days in the valley for me. (laughs) That was not the reason. So it's very in the middle for me. As we do the rankings at the end, I'm more and more like, doing these like in chronological order is like the only way we could do it. But I'd be curious at the end if like I could go back and re-rank them based on memory, what that would look like versus this. Because I think like, yeah, like we were saying, you know, some of them maybe got the bump of like, we just came out of the theater and no one can compare with Toretto's people. So it's yay. I mean, look, I still think that's going to be in the top, but I'm just kind of curious. Maybe we'll uh, discuss that later. But in any case, that's where the rank is. Okay. Thank you for listening. 
yes thank you for listening if you haven't uh take an opportunity to tell a friend to listen to this podcast because there's only a handful of episodes left precious Um, few episodes left so uh, we're in the end game now as a certain (laughs) mr wizard recently said correct (laughs) Uh, follow us on instagram at charlie's theranathon you can follow us on twitter at theranathon thank you as always to alex reed for our amazing theme song and most importantly thank you charlie's What kind of a roommate was Al Gore? Funny. We had a lot of fun. We probably had too much fun. Um, but we got our work done. Everybody did. Give me an example. Of what? Of Al Gore being funny. Okay. When push buttons, uh, telephones first came in, and we converted from rotary dials to uh, push buttons that, had, that made tones, um, Al was fascinated with it, and the first thing he did was teach himself to play Dixie on the on the tones of the keys, and that was a, rather amusing. I think for a couple of weeks we'd come back to the room and say, uh, "Hey, Al, play Dixie," and he'd show us his trick and show show the trick to others, visitors. It was funny. We cooked a turkey in a fireplace.